0: I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than need the lesser. Make out of the messes. Make the head just cause it was right there in the dresser so easy.
1: Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott.
0: Now I hear it's just white noise when we're speaking Let's do our streamer from the voices Farrell, do you have me now? Buddy, you are coming in loud and clear.
1: I'm coming in loud and clear. How are your fantasy football teams heading into week nine, my friend? You know what? Uh, I've got a few playoff qualifiers,
0: and I'm still in there swinging, Balky. It's difficult with all the – I I share the same – common aspects with every other fantasy player in the FFPC as as we struggle to put together a healthy roster and promises of previously injured players returning early in the week are not realized at the end of the week. But, you know, we we move onward. And uh, opportunities for new players are on the horizon. Free agency continues open through Sunday morning. And, you know, I I think it's just a, a wonderful season with with extra wrinkles and extra challenges to make it all the more worthwhile when you win. It
1: is and I, I and listen, I I do a local fantasy football show in northeast Wisconsin and it's not a sponsored segment yet, but the bulky Braggart segment is mm. coming up here shortly. Now I only mm-hmm. fairly fair, I only went twelve ten this past week in all my fantasy leagues. But as I look at the 22 managed leagues I have with uh, wins and losses and victory points and non-best ball leagues, out of those 22 leagues, I only have two losing records. The rest I'm either 500 or above. Um, And I don't know if that is a um, record for me, but I certainly can't remember sitting here on November 5th where I had that many winning records. I'm not going to say this is my year because I had a great year last year, but things are looking up for me. And, and I hope things are looking up for you. I know things are looking up for our guest tonight coming up on the program tonight. Uh, we are going to pontificate about the impact Adrian Peterson is going to have on the stretch run of the fantasy season. Whether Michael Carter has broken through as a top 20 FFPC running back option the rest of the way. And the seventh place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. It is owned by Bill Potter. He has his team um uh, positioned uh to win a half billion bucks he's going to stop by he's going to talk about the toughest lineup decision he's facing this week and much more shout out to the chat room right now you guys can post any questions you might have in there right in the chat room uh if you want to connect with with us on twitter we are at hsffl the show is i am at eric balkman and of course check out Farrell's kentucky fantasy football state championship at kffsc.com Check Farrell out at J. Farrell Elliott. And, of course, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC. Facebook.com slash HSFFHours where you can reach, with, uh, reach us. And, of course, if you want to chime in and talk with us, 347-426-3682. That's 347 game over high at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. This is your final warning. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming on later in the show. Thanks to our audio engineer and my best friend, Bryce, and our audio, uh, I beg your pardon, and our producer and our mutual friend, Rob. Um, as a uh, reminder, ladies and gentlemen, go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. It's not up yet. It should be up shortly. Billy Muzio from fantasy Data. He was on the Rotaviz High Stakes Lowdown this past week. Uh, He has uh, the number one team in the $10,000 entry FFPC High Society League, along with his co-owner, David Hubbard. He has that position to win a lot of money this year. He also has three teams in the uh, top 100 in the Football Guys Players Championship. A lot of great knowledge from him this week. So check that out, rotaviz.com slash podcast. Let's get into the fantasy flash tonight. Uh, Dolphins head coach Farrell, Brian Flores, said Devontae Parker had a setback in practice. He not only is doubtful to play this weekend against the Texans, according to Marcel Louis Jacques on Twitter, but <clears throat> beg your pardon, he has been placed on uh, injured reserve, which means he is going to be out for the next three weeks. Uh, Devontae Parker, no stranger to the trainer's room, and you uh, not I not only cannot plan for him in week nine. But you really can't count on him uh, until week twelve. So the question I bring to you, Farrell, is not necessarily what's going to happen when Devontae Parker comes back. What's going to happen this weekend against the Texans, specifically with Tua Tagovailoa, with Jalen Waddle, and with Mike Gesicki, who all should, you know, as long as health, um, um, you know, uh, dictates, they should all have big games against the Houston Texans. Jalen Waddle has averaged. 6.67 receptions on 9.67 targets. When Devontae Parker has been inactive this season, Mike Gesicki has looking been uh, he, he's been awesome so far this season, and this should only get better against the Houston Texans. Your thoughts? Uh, I, I guess uh, the takeaway here for me is you start Waddle, you start Gesicki. Teguvaloa uh, is dealing with that hand injury um, on his throwing hand. What are your thoughts on starting him this week, knowing that um, Parker is going to be out?
0: Two is scheduled to play, Balky, so I'm going to put him in my lineups, and he'll have to play as a backup to um, a couple of uh, quarterbacks that that bye week uh, unavailability, uh, especially um, Tom Brady. Now, I want to mention one thing about Parker. That's why Parker went so late in the drafts. Um, fantastic talent. We advised putting him in the lineup last week, and listeners did that they were rewarded, but I started to look up how many games he's missed, and, you know, it it doesn't matter. His sporadic, unavailable status has led him to just be ignored by fantasy players and not to be trusted even when he's available to play. Waddle is a solid player in an offense that I thought would frequently try to get him downfield and use him on slant passes, run a few skinny posts. It's a lot of vertical passing in those targets, and that's the only downside about it. That ability to catch the ball and move goes away the closer you get to the goal line. Thus, we raise the um, possibilities of Gasicki being targeted. There's other tight ends uh, on that roster that seem to step up if, if they try to bracket Gasicki and give him problems at the offensive line. It can be a long day for him. That's when you see the other two guys catching balls at the tight end position down there. Buried on this depth chart is Mac Hollins, a player that I very much admire, a big, tall receiver and a good red zone target. There's going to be lots of red zone opportunities against the uh, Houston Texans, and that's why Waddle's an easy start for me, but so is Tua.
1: Yeah, it, it's fair, and I picked up Tungavailoa in a couple of leagues where I had Tom Brady wow. this week, and, and I'm, still, I'm still starting him with uh, full confidence. Um, I, I know Brian Flores said he's a little bit banged up right now, but everything I've read, everything I've seen, everything I've heard makes it seem like he is going to be good to go uh, for this game. So I am starting him, and as I look at the um, uh, point spread in this game, uh, the Texans are a six-point favorite with a 46-and-a-half over-under, so that should mean good things for the Texans' offense. uh, Mike Kosicki, and Jalen Waddell, all beneficiaries there for sure. Flip it to the West Coast. John Lynch, who is the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, said that Jeff Wilson could be activated from the pup list and play this weekend against the Arizona Cardinals. And we're going to get into uh, Kyler Murray and Deandre Hopkins here shortly, but this was a, uh, the, the Niner side of this was reported by Matt Mayoko on Twitter. Jeff Wilson has not played in 2021. He actually had a knee injury all the way back in May. Now, Kyle Shanahan, you would like to think, is going to figure out a way to get Jeff Wilson involved if he is indeed active uh, for Week 9. Elijah Mitchell has been awesome the last um, uh, three weeks here for the 49ers uh, so far. It's very difficult for me to see a pathway to um, saying Jeff Wilson is a good start in Week 9, Farrell. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, if he's available in your FFPC leagues, and I'll look up his ownership, uh, percentage in the main event here shortly on uh, of course at uh, com, darren armani who is the godfather of the pros versus joes and helps us out with the adp and the ownership percentages each and every week here on the program it's very difficult for me to see a pathway to starting jeff wilson this week but for sure you got to find a way to roster this guy because he could figure into the equation going forward right uh, certainly and uh, you know I look back to Mostert. Remember when we were still
0: drafting Mostert, Bonkey, You know, this is a quagmire of disappointment, uh, this San Francisco backfield. And if you happen to land Mitchell, your your free agent dollars have not been frittered away, and you have a player that is going to increasingly get better in the NFL. He's He's got a lot of season in front of him, and he's largely compared to a number of running backs across the league's dealing with fresh legs. So I really like Elijah Mitchell. And that's, you know, I notice in in some free agency, uh, when I look at my competitors' uh, balances, I wonder what some of these guys are waiting for. I don't think it's Jeff Wilson. You know, I think Jeff Wilson could be a complimentary piece, especially if you have other Niners backs or if you two acquired Mitchell and can somehow miraculously still have... Uh, bargaining funds are still available to bid but i uh i think y- you might wait with uh what sh- what you might have coming down with other retired running backs coming back to the game you might consider uh, smaller bids on Mitchell if any at all
1: yeah and i think that's the the way to play this here and and we're going to get to our guest here tonight bill potter the seventh place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. A question from the chat room right away, it's uh, Christian McCaffrey and, and mm-hmm. um, whether he is going to be active this week. Now, I am looking at what David Newton, who covers the uh, Panthers uh, for, uh, for ESPN, said. Matt Rule said that if Christian McCaffrey is indeed active this week, he would not be taking on 40 to 50 snaps in offense. They want to be smart about this and that means he is going to be brought along slowly. So that is the situation we're looking at right now, which kind of creates a quagmire for fantasy owners, Farrell, because there's a lot of people that want to play, myself included, that want to play Chuba Hubbard. There's a a ton of people who want to play, myself included, Christian McCaffrey. So how do you, you. as it stands right now, and and we'll probably get more clarity about this on Sunday, but how do you handle Christian McCaffrey uh, in your lineups this week, knowing that if he is active, He's not going to see his normal McCaffrey workload.
0: Well, you know, not every owner is Bill Potter. Not every owner is um, um, uh, Meyer and uh, Mueller. And and, um, our good friend Rick Ross, who last time I checked the FFPC top 20 is at 13th. You know, we're in a situation, Bucky, where we're challenged with who to get in, and you would have to say that, okay, if I can get 10 carries – out of Christian McCaffrey, the a great competitor, chomping at the bit. If he's on the field, he's healthy enough to play. What will he do with those 10 carries? Even if he's splitting carries with Hubbard, what will that look like? And you're going to be very, very tempted to play him over who might be your last flex or your second running back if you happen to play in Kentucky. So I, I don't think that you can just take a wait-and-see approach with that player. Conversely, you know, Hubbard has produced, and he's produced well. And if you expect Carolina's game plan to be improved um, uh, with the return of McCaffrey, Hubbard should have enough uh, rushing attempts, enough pass catching to make it worthwhile for him to play. There's not a lot of offensive firepower in the receiver core outside of of Moore uh, there in uh, Carolina. Disappointments from Anderson. Terrence Marshall has been inactive. These are players that drafters were counting on earlier in the year I think you can count on your Panthers that remain standing, and McCaffrey certainly. You had big hopes at the start of the year. There's no reason to leave him on the bench if he's if he's playing in the game.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of with you on that uh, for sure. I want to switch from one running back situation on the East Coast to another one. Semi on the East Coast, and that's the one that Mike Garofalo from NFL Network has reported on today. According to him, Adrian Peterson has impressed the Titans and has been promoted to the active roster. Now, according to uh, um, NBC Sports uh, Edge, Adrian Peterson is going to serve as the team's primary Ooh. ball carrier against the Los Angeles Rams this week. He will be a game script sensitive fantasy option with obviously Jeremy McNichols playing a role on third downs and pass catching downs for the titans this week the titans are underdogs this week as they head to the west coast to take on quite frankly what could be the favorites in the um in the nfc this year the los angeles rams but if he does fall into the end zone score a touchdown uh or or get any you know goal line stuff he could pay off dividends so i look at adrian peterson this week farrell you know, and and I probably am screwing myself by saying this, but and this is a detriment to my to to my own to my own um, fantasy prospects. I looked at my Kentucky rosters um, and my Kentucky waiver bids uh, and Kentucky waiver results on Thursday morning. Adrian Peterson wasn't even picked up in every single league, so he is out wow. there in some KFFSC leagues. I placed some bids on him, some small bids on him. I'll, we'll see if I get him or not. I play some bids on him in, in, in some leagues. I need some running back help, which is insane considering how much the Titans count on the running game, how much they counted on Derrick Henry, and quite frankly, how much of, uh, you know, Derrick, uh, Adrian Peterson is a poor man's Derrick Henry, but a lot of what he does mirrors what the Titans have been looking for in their running back. So you look at Adrian Peterson against the Rams this week, not the greatest of scenarios, but four teams on by. How much does Adrian Peterson factor into the flex consideration, not only in the KFFSC, but in FFPC leagues as well? Balke, before I answer that question,
0: you know, I have uh, beaten some of our uh, visitors uh, some of our listeners and uh, most of our guests over the head to come play in Kentucky, sometimes subtly and sometimes with it, with, very much with, with an iron pipe. But I will tell you that you just gave the best endorsement for any players to come play in Kentucky if we actually had a group of (laughs) twelve owners that would sleep on acquiring Adrian Peterson. Now, I think that falls into the situation of many of our fantasy players um, feel that older running backs' time is done. I don't know where that comes from, and I would like to disabuse people of that notion. Adrian Peters is 36 years old. He played for Detroit last year. He rushed for over 600 yards. He averaged four, car- uh, four yards a carry. He scored seven touchdowns on a subpar team. He also caught some balls out of the backfield. We picture this guy as a Minnesota Viking bulky. I looked this number up. 116 starts with the Vikings, but he's had 47 starts with the other stops along the way, included with Detroit, Arizona, and Washington. Now, he comes with fresh legs and anxious to get back to it. He is a perfect fit. You described a, a pass, uh, a run-heavy team, but they're a run-pass option team with Peterson in the backfield. So what does that mean for the other players? Uh, we're going to see more movement, more more work with his feet uh, from Tannehill. We're going to see different kind of route running from the receivers, uh, but we're still going to see um, Brown flashing across the middle, getting separation, and getting the ball. We're not going to miss those opportunities. Losing Henry, there's there's a great deal of uh, frustration to uh, opposing. Uh, defensive coordinators when Henry is on the field. But that does not go away with the different things that this offense can do with the different talents in the quarterback. So this is where we're going to have to see Tannehill step up. Peterson will be a great complement to that. They cannot cheat on Tannehill because of Peterson. We'll talk more about his backup later, which is also an interesting player. When I mean, Nichols getting his opportunity. But my goodness, why would you sleep on this player? Now, he's not going to He's not going to get the same kind of uh, carries and, uh, that that uh, Henry had, but he's coming to it. He's ready to play. He's missed it. You know, we all think that the players miss playing on Sunday when they're away from the game. If I was a veteran player, I would never retire from football. I would never. I would never put in my severance papers and draw that money, especially because I know I want to get back. I want to be around the locker room. I want to be around the practice. I want to have this purpose in my life. That's what Adrian Peterson's is returning to. He's going to help his team perhaps go all the way, and we'll get a glimpse of uh, what those uh, games in January and February might look like uh, when we see this uh, Rams-Titans matchup.
1: Yeah, no, you're totally right, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to hearing from Bill Potter, the seventh-place team in the Football Guys Players Championship, here coming up in just a minute. He is sipping on white Zinfandel and snacking on the uh, charcuterie tray we have provided for him in the green room right now. The last thing (laughs) I want to get to before we get to Bill Potter is the Saints situation. Ian Rappaport has reported that Trevor Simeon, is going to be the starting quarterback for New Orleans against the Falcons this week. Semyon threw for 159 yards and one touchdown after Jameis Winston tore his ACL, court, uh, and as, as well as some other knee damage, in the win over Tampa this week. Now, he gets the start against Atlanta. Taysom Hill, who is battling the concussion, has already practiced in full this week, so you'd like to think he is going to be ready to play. Uh, Sean Payton has already said that he will get some action this week. I picked him up in a couple of Kentucky Leagues, Farrell, but I do have some bids in on some other quarterbacks. Jordan Love is one of them. Um, just yeah. in case I change my mind on Sunday and I don't want to play a quarterback in Taysom Hill that is not going to get the full complement no. of snaps, even though he should get the extra rushing yardage and the rushing attempts for the New Orleans uh, offense this week. The question is not about Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon or Jordan Love or anybody about that. It's about the New Orleans skill position players. You're still playing Alvin Kamara. What about Marquez Calloway? What about some of the other pass catchers? Are they a bench right now with Simeon? Or do you like the fact that Simeon showed something last week and maybe gives hope to some of these other New Orleans pass catchers?
0: I've been familiar with this player for a lot, a lot of years. He's a Northwestern product. Uh, my, uh, Long beloved client Brian Peters uh, and and Trevor are, are, are close buds. You know, I remember from his college days, he had one very very strange stat, uh, stat. He threw for almost 400 times in his senior season and only seven TDs. I never did quite figure that out. But this guy, he's got the construct of an NFL quarterback. He's no young guy. He's 30 years old. He's six foot three. Good size. He sees the field. He, he can't move very well. He is very, very slow footed. Uh, but he's elusive in the pocket. He's, he's got that old Eli Manning type kind of thing about him, which would be beneficial for the wide receiver. So you're going to play Callaway. Those of you that don't trick on Smith can consider him as a potential put in your lineups. You're going to have life at the tight end position. Uh, in, in New Orleans, and you're going to like what he does. It's going to be, for lack of a better word, uh, dependable. He's got 25 starts on his resume. He's He's got a piece of that rock uh, that he wears on his hand with the Super Bowl ring from Denver. This guy, you know, people were throwing up their arms and looking around like, who is this? Well, he's the perfect Sean Payton quarterback. Sean Payton, I think, sees himself. We've talked about this before. He sees himself as uh, as the quarterback whisperer, and I think he feels that his offense, in the hands of a smart guy like this, he's a very, very smart football mind, um, can lead his team to, to victory. There's no learning curve with Trevor Simeon. He's seen it all. Uh, the Denver, Vikings, Jets, Titans, you know, now uh, – He's in a position now to uh, actually make a difference for a team and lead them uh, to great success. So good for him, good for his opportunity. And I think I'm certain, I think with certain of these wide receivers, you can find a more consistent start. And that's what we've all wanted out of Callaway is opportunities and consistency because we haven't seen that.
1: What we will see is an opportunity for a guy who's been very consistent so far in the Football Guys Players Championship this year to offer some great fantasy advice for all of our listeners tonight. He's been very patient in the green room. He is dusting the cracker crumbs off his mustache right now and finishing the last of his uh, of his white wine spritzer in there. He started playing fantasy football about seven years ago, became completely attached, and been playing with the FFPC with classic competitions, won a league in 2019, flipped the winning entry into a Football Guys team last year, and currently his squad sits in seventh place in the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. Please welcome onto the show Mr. Bill Potter, the clever whale himself, Bill, welcome to the HSFF Hour, man. Thanks for uh, doing the show this week. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys.
2: Nice talking to you this evening.
1: It's uh, great talking to you, and congrats on getting up to seventh place in the Football Guys Players Championship as you chase that half-million-dollar grand prize. We're going to talk fantasy football with you here shortly, Bill, but before we do that, can you tell us uh, what you're doing to spend your time doing for a living right now when you are not crushing the FPC, my friend?
2: Well, Eric, I own a small business. We do um, interior blinds and plantation shutters, and I've been in that business for about 20 years.
0: Bill, I think that answer just completely shut down, Eric. I just okay. He's, he's obviously <laughs> measuring. He's gone to the you know. He's measuring for drapes. He's pulling them all off. He's he's looking for shutters and blinds. He's he's you know. What's the what's the top brand name in the blind business right now, Bill? Probably the top blind uh blind company out there is Hunter Douglas. they they're, the, yeah. they're the big boy. Yep. I love it. Well, you are the big boy in the FFPC. Congratulations on the seventh place uh, uh, position right now. That's a pretty good spot. Lucky number seven to make a run at it. I've been, I've been looking over some of your lineups. The first guy that I want to talk about, we, we lauded on what Adrian Peterson is going to do uh, for the Tennessee Titans, and, and honestly, uh, Jeremy McNichols. Uh, I don't believe he should be a forgotten piece of of the puzzle here in Tennessee. That run-pass option, uh, the pass part of that would uh, slowly develop and make McNichols uh, quite a nice target uh, in, in this offense. Plus, I think that player, I can remember him at Boise State. I think he has some good wheels. I think he can break tackles. He's a capable player. You picked him up in the second round of free agency, I believe. Maybe you were somewhat prescient last week as to what might be forthcoming with Derrick Henry. Why'd you get him, and when are you going to play him? Well,
2: I picked him up as you said. I I was looking at this lineup, and I said, you know, Derrick Henry is a key cog here. I have no backup to him if he goes down. And at the time, Jerry McNich- Jerry McNichols was available. I knew he wasn't the same type of back, but I felt like there would be some opportunities and. When I play him, like this weekend, I think it's a good weekend to play Jerry McNichols because I believe they're going to be playing from behind, and there's going to be a lot mm-hmm. of run in the passing game, and that will be the times that I pick to put him in the in the lineup. This weekend, he didn't. He's not going to make my starting lineup. I just have other better options. I think.
0: I'm looking at. Bonky, right are now, you Bill. back with us? Uh, the, there he is.
1: Yeah, no, I am. I am. I am. I, I apologize for that. I'm looking at this right now. This is a question from the chat room uh, that uh, our buddy Guy uh, brings up, and or, uh, not Waskai, uh beg your pardon, Dave Gerzak, uh Dizzle wants to talk about a watch this. Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Eli- yes, Elijah Moore. Seven last night. Seven catches, 84 yards and two touchdowns. Now, granted, this was some of it was garbage time trying to come back against the Colts, no. and no. most of it was with third-string quarterback Josh Johnson. So the question here to you, Bill, is Elijah Moore, a guy that a lot of people were excited about before the season started, how likely is this type of production going to be to continue this year? Can we expect Elijah Moore to to be, you know, a, a borderline number one receiver? I know Corey Davis was out this week. Um, or are you still skeptical on what's going to happen with Moore going forward?
2: Yeah, I'm not questioning the talent that Moore has. I just have a question whether Zach Wilson can get him the ball. Uh, And Zach will be back, I'm I'm sure. And for whatever reason, he seems not to look at him or he hasn't looked at him so far this year. Guys, Elijah Moore's got all kinds of talent. And I think if you put the ball in his hands, he's pretty electric. But so far, up until this last week, we just haven't seen it. And, of course, Zach Wilson was not the quarterback for this week.
0: That's true, right, so hey, Bill, hey let's, Balky. Let's... I've got a follow up before you move along on this. Go ahead on this Elijah on this Elijah Moore question. And my follow up is, Bill. Excuse me, while I do quick counseling with my co-host here. There is no such thing as garbage time in the NFL. This is not the NBA. There is, <laughs> there is there is there is no such thing as 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 garbage time, Bill. You have a pleasing Southern uh, accent to your uh, uh, lingo. There. Where are you from, sir? Well, I'm sitting in Pensacola, Florida, as we speak. Yeah, there you go. And and it just yeah. so, and you, you know we we just we understand that in no time is, is especially with a player of, of such a, an SEC culture to him as Elijah Moore that those numbers have been promoted in anything close to garbage time. But the, you know that game was very <laughs> much uh, and and he single handedly with the receiver core. But anyway, we won't we won't relive that. But I. Uh, Yeah, I will return to more Elijah Moore commentary, but I just had to get that in there, Balky. I think you've got uh, uh, questions about the quarterback play from last night.
1: Well, yeah, and and that's what I want to kind of touch on a little bit because this was a conversation that or a a decision that I was faced with in a lot of my leagues um, with uh, with with, um, my quarterback situation. Carson Wentz was awesome last night. Now you could have played him. Uh, last night against the Jets, you decided to get Taysom Hill off the waiver wire, Bill, and you're going to start him against the Falcons instead. So my question right now, we know Trevor Simeon is starting for the Saints. Are you still rolling with T- uh, Taysom Hill against Atlanta, knowing that he is going to play some? Or are you going to go after no. somebody else on the FFPC no. waiver wire here before uh, Sunday,
2: uh, Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I'm going to pick up somebody else off the waiver wire. Uh, when I made that decision. That was a hard decision I had to make this week. And when I made the decision, obviously, I thought that Taysom Hill was going to be the starting quarterback against Atlanta this week. And I like the high, you know, he's always, when he's been out there, he scores a lot of points, a lot of fantasy points. I do think going forward that he's going to be very valuable uh, to my team. It's just that I'm going to pick up somebody like Tarod Taylor or somebody to plug in this week. Uh, to, to be the bridge quarterback until next week.
0: We you might know, enjoy um, that. You, you know, uh, having tough decisions on the waiver wire is one thing. Having tough decisions about lineup is another. And then we always have that pall of disappointment that seems to drape over the Thursday night game. And then then we had a a, a real bust-out offensive game last night on both sides. My toughest decision of the week, was Elijah Moore. How do do I put him in the lineup everywhere? I've got him on nine different teams, and I played him on five of them, and I feel <laughs> like a complete failure for not going nine for nine. Do you have, you know, I think it's important that the listeners realize that you, and I, I can understand why you're not playing McNichols, you're seventh place. You do have great choices, but even at that Tall cotton that you're living in, what are the tough decisions making a lineup this week? I mean, who are some of the real problems and sometimes it can be because you've got two really great players. How do you separate them well
2: i you know I look down this uh, and on my bench, I've got probably three or four other players that could start for me on this team this week. come close you, you know i've uh-huh. got uh, I've got Devonte Booker. I think that he's, he's in line to have a good week.
0: Right.
2: Um, you know, I, I've got Jeremy McNichols. I think he's in line to have a pretty good week. Uh, I have some wide receiver help there if I need it, Jarvis Landry. But the starting lineup, I think the, the guys I've got clipped in place, I mean, so many of these guys have a really good matchup this week. You got, you know, we know what Jonathan Taylor did, and I got Cooper Cup, and he's got a great matchup, and he's been terrific. And Brandon Cooks. He's right. had a terrific matchup. And Marquise Brown, um, I mean, those wow. guys, they're locked in. I mean, I, who, else, who am I going to play over them? And no. then, um, you know, and then I look at um, my running back, my RB2 is Cordelia, Cordell Patterson. Well, I'm not going to play those other guys over him. He's been playing great. So on this particular team, there's not many lineup decisions that I have to make. Obviously, I made the one about the quarterback, and I'm not – crestfallen about that. I, I think Provide Taylor will, will give me a good week and we'll be in sure. good shape. And then, uh, you know, from there Taysom Hill I think will be a, a good play for the rest of the season. But, um, you know, this is a great team. I, and You know, you, you have to be lucky in this. You have to be lucky in drafting and you have to be lucky in injury. Of course, I have the Derrick Henry injury. But this team is pretty well positioned to survive that, I think. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, and, and, and we will get into that here shortly. Obviously, McNichols, uh, uh, you know, we, we just touched on it, and, and we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about him um, going forward here in the, in the rest of the show. I do want to ask here, um, as we go forward here, um, with some of the other waiver decisions that you had to make this week, Bill, we're talking with Bill Potter, the seventh-place team in the Football Guys Players Championship. T.J. Hawkinson is on by for you. You actually yes. end up getting Albert Ogwepanam. Oguep- Oguep- uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Good Oguep- job, um, And you get him. You're starting him over Hayden Hurst from Atlanta right now. Now Farrell has been a big Hayden Hurst guy, um, at least in the course of the of the preseason, um, the drafting season. How good do you think uh, Albert Oguepenam is going to be uh, in Dallas this week against the Cowboys, uh, knowing that Noah Fant officially will not be able to get off the COVID-19 list in time to play, and Albert o- Albert Oguepenam is going to be the starting uh, tight end for Teddy Bridgewater in the Broncos this week? Yeah. You know, when I look at Albert Owen, I'm not going to even try the last name.
2: When I, when I look at him, I mean, this, this guy is 260 pounds and runs a – four, three, nine, not uh, 40. I mean, it looks like Noah Fant out there. I don't think mm-hmm. he's going to miss a beat. And um, the last – I read something last year when he played – he started in a game where Fant was not there. He had 25% of the target share, and he had four end zone targets in that game. So this guy could have a terrific uh, week. Dallas is middle of the road in regards to defense against tight ends so i I think, and they're gonna be playing from behind, so they're gonna be passing a lot, so I think he's a he's a solid play.
0: I think that's a more than than solid play with with permission from Paul McCartney. I refer to that player as Uncle Albert, but I will tell you uh, <laughs> the uncle will make a uh, a wonderful target, that's you know somebody else that's making a wonderful target and i you know I watch a lot of uh I watch a lot of Baltimore Ravens, and I noticed more Marquise Brown this season. And I was hesitant in realizing that naturally the tight end is a dominant elite player at tight end. And then you had a rookie coming in, Bateman. And, and how much is Lamar Jackson going to throw the ball anyway? And this was back when they had lots of healthy running backs. And so I assumed that Marquise Brown would be the complimentary player he's already, you know, always been. I looked it up. 57 targets already this year. And there's a bye week in there, too. 37 catches, 566 yards, and six TDs. Is is Marquise Brown now a set-it-and-forget-it-every-week start for you? He is. And, um,
2: you know, last year there was a lot of hype around him, and this is kind of a post-hype type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way it's just worked out, he, he's – He's carved out this beautiful role. He's got a great relationship with Lamar Jackson, and Lamar is throwing the ball more because the running backs are hurt or yeah. uh, diminished. And uh, he's been so solid. I mean, he had that one game where he could have had a couple of touchdowns that he dropped. Uh, yes, so he's, he's, he's been very solid. Uh, I, I don't have any compunction at all in punching him, putting him in every lineup. I think he's going to. He's always got a high end number out there that he can reach.
1: To the quarterback situation this week, because we we discussed. And i by the way, uh, full disclosure, Bill, I I, I picked up Tayson Hill in a in a couple of leagues this week, and I ended up putting in for some for some other quarterbacks this week just in case uh, I don't feel great about it uh, on Sunday. But a quarterback that I think, and, and we've had some chatter in the chat room about it tonight, um, about him being a pretty good start this week is Jordan Love. He gets the start for the Packers against. Quite frankly, an historically bad Kansas City defense that, granted, will be getting Melvin Ingram this week, but even still, they've been pretty bad this year. If there was ever a week that Jordan Love could slip into a starting job like an old man into a hot bath, it is the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Granted, it's an arrowhead. I get that. But even still, it's a bad defense. So how good or bad do you think? Of a start does Jordan Love make against the Chiefs, uh, knowing that that uh, that he's going up against a, a defense that's really been underperforming uh, as far as high stakes owners go in their leagues this Sunday.
2: Yeah, I I you know I think he's going to have an okay game. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a mind boggling game because I think they're going to run the ball, and uh, he may have some limited opportunities there. You know, when I was trying to look at what I thought he might do for. the for this game, I'm thinking that we're looking at a little over 200 yards passing, and maybe a touchdown, maybe an interception, and so that's not a bad. I mean, that's not bad. Uh, that might be, be 16, 15, 16 points. That's kind of what Ooh. I think expect. That's my opinion. Of it. Um, I don't. I just don't think we're going to give him that a lot of lot of opportunities to to toss the ball.
0: Bill, we are going to sit that. White wine that uh, that Zinfandel that Balky's talking about aside, and we're we're going we're going to bring in your choice of bourbon. I, I'm a Wild Turkey man, which my good friend Jesse Bumstead tells me is rock gut bourbon.
1: So you know we
0: we would, but we'll get you to the top shelf and get you to the top of the line, and through that a spectrum of clarity will emerge for you on this question. And you know, with permission of, uh, of, uh, uh, John Lennon, I'll tell you that, that all you need is love because that, that's all you're <laughs> going to do. That's, that, that's all you're going to have to do to rack up points. I think we're seeing the second coming to Jersey Mike here with another bench quarterback coming in and pushing, um, 400 yards, you know, you had to love, um, Everything you've seen uh, out of the New York Jets and what what a quarterback change could do for a team, and I, I'm not so sure that uh, Zach Wilson hurries back to this lineup. It's it's a lot to be seen about the Jets, but no matter who's at quarterback, you, you would have to agree that Michael Carter has developed this year very very nicely. Uh, would you consider him a breakthrough player? Is he the kind of player? I know this past weekend it was only nine, or, or past Thursday night it was only nine or so points. But can you can can you see that this guy would be a player that could help a team that gets into the championship of the FFPC to really help a team make a run to be a fifteen sixteen point player per week? Yeah, I do. I think
2: Michael Carter is a tremendous talent. I think we all. Season long, we've been waiting for him to emerge. And uh, I think we're seeing that emergence. Um, he he's, he brings a lot to it. I love his pass-catching ability. And he's, mm-hmm. got, he's got a three-down set. Uh, you know, the uh, I think he's going to be one of those type of players. I wish I had him on my team, I have to be honest with you. Mm-hmm.
0: How about you, Farrell? You feel the same way? More of it. I, I would just like to have more of him. I, uh, yeah. you know, between he and Williams, it was a difficult decision uh, to make about which one. And I've got a good pal that plays here in Kentucky, Justin McCord. When you, when you look at you and I, and I know we're dealing about two players that came from the same college. That's why they're linked Again, maybe the less expensive option would have been the one I should have gone with. And that would have been Michael Carter. Cause I think on, uh, the, you know, draft capital, Man, is he paying dividends. But both these yeah, guys absolutely. are doing well, and I think we should remember that as we try to evaluate college players that play in tandems. Uh, these two are quite a tandem.
1: Talking with, uh, with uh, uh, Bill Potter, the seventh-place uh, team in the uh, uh, Football Guys Players Championship right now here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I am Eric Balkman. He is Farrell Elliott, the uh, commissioner of the uh, kentucky fantasy football state championship bill i want to get to a couple of emails here from some listeners and the first one is from phil in new york he writes dear bill what's an ideal amount of your thousand dollar blind bidding budget to have left after eight weeks of the season in your opinion that is phil in new york phil thank you for emailing thank you for listening so this is an interesting question bill because i know you've managed it you know, uh, several blind bidding budgets in, in the FPC and other FFPC leagues over the year. As we look forward, you're roughly about halfway through the season. Math would say you should have $500 left. What do you think? What do you think is the appropriate amount that you should have left, or is it on a sliding scale?
2: Yeah, it just depends. I, I don't have much left in this, on this team. I've spent a lot of it. You know, I think the FAB budget early in the year is more valuable if you hit on the right players. Uh, obviously, obviously, towards the, the end of the season, you need to have enough to make some moves. Uh, one of the reasons I didn't pick up Adrian Peterson on this team is because I didn't have the fab budget to do it. I didn't feel, and um, you know, so in some ways, you're 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 hampered if you don't. But I think five hundred dollars would be too much to have at this point. I think you know a couple hundred bucks, so you can uh, change out defenses or kickers or whatever or Pick up somebody to fill a bye bi- bi- week But at this point I think most of the fad budgets Probably in my book should be spent uh, That's the way I approach this
1: um, you yeah. know, Somebody else Go ahead Eric. No I, Which, I, Bill I was going to agree with you there Because well and maybe this is out of necessity I have a lot of, of Leagues that have far fewer Than 500 500- <laughs> Billion, bidding dollars left in in my kfffc <laughs> league and, and more Farrell, how are your ffpc teams booking right now as, as we head into week nine how on average or or can you give us a mean of of how many bidding dollars that you have left and and quite frankly how many you you thought you'd have left at this point at the start of the season as
0: well as i am shopping at the dollar tree uh, that ultra, ultra bright toothpaste is with its whitening shine is what I'm I'm looking for in the dollar too. No, it's it's uh, I have largely dissipated it, and I've been proud of some of my moves, less of others. I wish that I had been uh, more uh, aggressive on uh, Cordell Patterson. I want to go back to that and ask: Did that take a bit of your Fab budget? I asked Randy Mueller how quickly, when he came on the show, there's a player that he's been leaning on greatly. And I, I asked him how how soon did he get to him, and he said after week one. And so I assume he didn't have to spend a lot. When did you get him, and is that where a lot of your money went? And if so, what no. a great investment.
2: Well, I have to be honest with you, Farrell. I don't remember. I picked him up early in the season, and I don't believe I paid that much for him at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. – I had Mike Davis on this team as well, and obviously he's been a little bit of a disappointment. But um, I I picked up Cordell Patterson, I believe, pretty early on, and um, I don't think I spent a lot of money on him, I don't believe. Um, it's amazing as you right- go
0: through this what you can get later for less money. And a lot of the guys, I think, that have big, big budgets, they have them there. Because they're just hesitant to spend, they believe in their draft. Sometimes I don't think it's a, it's an exercise of uh, of uh, supply and demand. Is more as, it's just anticipation and belief about players that have been drafted. It's it's an, it, it's certainly an inexact science, uh, but it's one that I agree with with Bill Buckley. I'm, I when I've got it, I'm spending it. Saturday night yeah. in Vegas, buddy. Yeah,
2: I wish I I'd, I'd, I wish I'd been more aggressive <laughs> on Elijah uh, on Elijah Mitchell
1: uh, for San mm-hmm. Francisco.
2: I think I missed out on that one. And he's, he's he's having a solid year, I believe. But that was one where I, I really kind of
1: kicked myself. I didn't get him in any of my teams. I'm talking with uh, Bill Potter, the seventh place team in the uh, Football Guys Players Championship heading into week nine. One more email here for you, Bill, before Farrell gets to his final question. And that's in Kev- uh, from Kevin in Chattahoochee, Georgia. Ha- uh, Hat tip to uh, Alan Jackson on this one. Uh, he writes Hi, Bill. With James Robinson banged up right now, would you still feel okay starting him if indeed he is active against Buffalo? Thank you for the email. Uh, Kevin in Chattahoochee, Georgia, where I learned how to live and I learned who I was a lot about living and a little about love. Uh, That is according to uh, Alan Jackson and, of course, Kevin in Chattahoochee, Georgia. Okay, so we look at James Robinson right now, fellas, Um, and uh, officially he will be listed as questionable against the Bills. I do believe he practiced in a limited fashion today. He gets the 1 o'clock game on Sunday, so that's going to be good. Um, so, so I guess, Bill, the question is, if you own James Robinson in any of your leagues, how confident can you feel starting him this week, knowing that he has been limited in practice all week and knowing that he's facing one of the tough defense, toughest defenses in the NFL, the Buffalo Bills?
2: Yeah, that's the problem. I, I, I mean, it's hard not to start James Robinson, but with him being banged up and against Buffalo, you wonder if Carlos Hyde is going to get more play than he normally would in this particular game, um,
0: I wouldn't be very confident, it, to be honest with you. Phil this is and, – and Balky, Balky is, is, loves giving me this question, and, and I live for it. And it's a fun question in the start of the year. And we – you know, we had two notable Italians and Sean on the show last week, and we proposed them the same question. And they're sharp guys, and they have good teams, just like you. And boy, did they bomb! They we they gave everybody they gave us as a bust was a star, and everybody that they gave us as a sleeper is on Ambien. But I got to tell you, uh, the. the I'd like to like to hear it from you because I think you've really got a hand on the pulse of what's going on in this. And maybe you just hinted, you know, James Robinson is a perfect example, but a lot of people until uh, the very end of the uh, FFPC main event drafting didn't have to spend draft capital on James Robinson of note. Right. I, want to, I want to look at a player that you had to spend first, second, early third round draft capital on, that if you start him this week, you may regret it. And then I would like you to dig deep in that bag and find out that sleeper that you think a uh, high stakes player should get into their lineup this week. Well,
2: this I, I did a lot of thinking on this one. I think the one player, and he may not even play. I, uh, there was late news today that he's on the injury report. It's A.J. Brown. I really think this mm. is going to be a tough, tough week. Um for the Tennessee Titans, um, I think they're gonna. There's a little bit of a transition here. Uh,
1: right. I think,
2: and you know, they're, they're um, having to feel out this running game. You know, we don't know what that's going to look like. But on top of that, uh, you got Ramsey on the other side. Um, I'm just not sure that AJ Brown um, will have a, a great week if he plays. I mean, he's late on the. I heard on uh, just a little while ago he's on the injury report today for me, wow. I think. So wow. he may not even play at this point. Um, what I like is Van Jefferson. Um, yes. Yeah. I think he, he is, you know, now Deshaun Jackson's out of that lineup. He's the long threat there. You know that the Rams are going to throw the ball all over the place. And I could really see him getting open for a couple long ones uh, in this game early on. And uh, so that's,
1: that's one I really like. I agree. The uh, person we really like on tonight's program, it's the seventh place team in the football guys players championship. It is one bill Potter bill. We cannot thank you enough for uh, hopping aboard tonight, talking a little fantasy football with us. Uh, We certainly appreciate it. Picking your brain and getting your insight. And we wish you nothing but the best. I hope that you uh, hey, appreciate uh, cash that $500,000 check. Uh, yes, we hope sir. the ball bounces your way at week nine and, and don't be a stranger, man. Hopefully we'll talk again soon, dude.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. Y'all have a wonderful weekend a wonderful football weekend.
0: Thank you, Bill.
1: And that's the plan. Man. And the same to you, Bill Potter, ladies and gentlemen, the seventh place team owner in the football guys players championship. As we head in to week nine Uh, exciting stuff there from Bill and, 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 and Farrell, I should bring this up too. Like, you know, Bill has won a few FFPC leagues over the year, over the years, never been in contention like this before. And uh, it's always exciting to, and and I've been saying this to the guests all season long, Oh, long way to go, long way to go. Well, we're headed into week Mm -hmm. nine now. Uh, And I, you know, it's still, you know, a significant way to go, but not nearly as long as it was in week one or week two. So you can kinda see which teams of yours are dialed in, which teams of yours are, are ready to dominate, and which teams of yours, you know, maybe need some, some some work here uh going forward. And I assume that's the same with your teams, my friend.
0: Uh Churchill said it best, we are uh bulky, we are uh not at the end, but perhaps we are at the end of the beginning. And uh, you know, we're in a place where we've got to <laughs> Uh, you know, where the decisions we've made, we're now going to have to live with them. You know, and, and every time I turn in, you know, Bill just informed me, and I, I'm not surprised that A.J. Brown is being reported as injured. I had not heard that yet. I did hear that Cole Beasley is, is being reported as injured. And guess what? They're on one of my better teams and both in the lineup this weekend. So you're in a situation where you're just, thank goodness. Uh, that dave and alex and the FFPC powers that be uh, made the decision to extend free agency to later in the weekend because uh, we need the time to put together the rosters to have the players to play and i just hope with uh, like elijah moores and perhaps some lesser known players uh you know that they will step up for you but it's uh Uh, You know, next-man-up football is my favorite kind of football, and there's great depth at the wide receiver position. If you use your imagination, you can see it happening.
1: I love that attitude, Farrell. I love that attitude, and that that is going to carry a lot of people to fantasy greatness going uh, forward. Uh, We're going to try to carry some people to fantasy greatness for the remainder of the season right now by answering some of the emails that we've gotten from some listeners this week, and we're going to kick things off with Dean in Cincinnati. No Tom Brady for me this week. I already had Tua Tungabailoa, but I picked up Teddy Bridgewater as well. Which guy should I go with? Thanks so much. That is Dean in Cincinnati. All right, so Farrell, as we look at this right now, obviously he has the, um, the, the, uh, the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady, on mm-hmm. by this week. I mean, he has a couple of options here. Now, I happen to like, uh, to, I know Tua wasn't wasn't all that great last week, but he gets the Texans at home this week. Yum, yum, yum. I love that. Teddy (laughs) Bridgewater goes on the road, but it's the Dallas Cowboys, which uh, haven't been the greatest uh, defense in the world. For me, and I know Tunga Bailoa is banged up a little bit, I think I'm going to go with Tunga Bailoa in this instance over Bridgewater. What say you, my friend?
0: I think you're making the right choice, Balky. And Dean was probably hedging his bets to make sure that Tua – was healthy enough to play, but the matchup you won at home versus Teddy on the road, and quite honestly, I don't think that was a good pickup, and he should probably deal with Teddy after the weekend. The Denver team, despite all of those great athletic targets, they don't seem to have the game plan, and Teddy does not seem to be playing with the intensity in that they want to move the ball. It's just not a high-octane offense, uh, they they look that they're trying to extend the possessions. They've got good running backs, and they're going to feed them the ball more, and the passing game is going to become less and less a thing for the quarterback there. There's your 15-point quarterback. Uh, Tua, even in victory, will throw the ball 35, perhaps even 40 times.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I would go with Tonga. I'm playing Tungavailoa in a couple of Kentucky Leagues this week, too, so obviously Mm -hmm. I am on board with him. Okay, moving on to a player we have talked about throughout the podcast. Feel free to be as um, long or as brief as you want to be on this email from Bill in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. Will Jeremy McNichols' role be big enough for me to flex him out over tony pollard this week so tony pollard who has been quite frankly an an underrated um uh flex choice in the ffpc uh over the last several weeks tony pollard obviously gets the broncos at home this week jeremy mcnichols tough um game on the road against the rams but Farrell, the game script for mcnichols given that he should be the third down guy and catching passes if the titans do, do get down that might make him a little bit more valuable in week nine lineups over Tony Pollard. Do you agree on that? Yes. Mr. Bill
0: Potter summed that up very eloquently for us. And it's difficult because all of us that own Pollard know that he's just one cut back away from taking one of the house. And who would he take it to the house against a defense that overplays and a defense that just lost one of his better players, in a trade. So I don't know how quickly I am to turn away from Pollard. McNichols, perhaps he has like a Ty Johnson game on Thursday night. And at the end, you're looking at a good fantasy score, but McNichols has to catch a lot of passes and find the end zone. I don't necessarily think Pollard does. I'll probably stick with Pollard and take a wait and see approach on McNichols.
1: Let's move on and get to another email here from listener Daryl in Iron Mountain, Michigan. Uh, Great skiing in Iron Mountain, Michigan. Hi, guys. How concerned should I be about Rashad Bateman not practicing today? Should I start Van Jefferson instead? Thanks in advance. That is Daryl in Iron Mountain, Michigan. All right, so let's get into this Rashad Bateman thing just real quick since we have not talked about it throughout the program tonight. Rashad Bateman was not showing up on the injury report throughout the week for baltimore uh this week then all of a sudden out of the blue today for whatever reason um he did not practice and he's listed as questionable against the vikings john harbaugh called the injury to bateman quote a minor physical issue and still says he has a very good chance to play against the vikings but farrell i always get leery about two things midweek Um, uh, midweek injury additions to the injury Mm -hmm. report, obviously, and then uh, people not practicing on Friday. This is a groin injury officially for the the Ravens, um, for Bateman. And remember, the thing that kept Bateman out for the start of the season, you guessed it, it was a groin injury. Now, the Ravens do play at 1 o'clock on Sunday, so that's good. Um, The Vikings' defense is not great, so that's also good for Bateman. But when it comes down to Bateman or Jefferson, who are you rolling with here? Uh, And let's just assume, obviously, for the purposes of this conversation, Bateman is indeed active for the Ravens against Minnesota on Sunday, my friend.
0: Bateman active and in perfect health It's not even a choice. Jefferson is the better choice here. Now, Bateman has put up some numbers in his return, but it took a 41-17 loss for him to do it and and throwing the ball down the field. I don't think that's what we're going to see here. Minnesota is is likely to lose this game and not challenge uh, the Ravens in points. We're probably looking at you know, a 30 to 21, something like that. So I don't see that as a big wide receiver game for the Ravens. Uh, Jefferson, you can see the process developing. It started slow, but you can see how they're bringing this player along. And it looks like they want to make sure that he gets six targets a game. And he's going, uh, with this quarterback and within these game situations, he's going to make the most of those good passes that he can catch, run with after he catches it. I'm not as sold on Bill as Jefferson being as huge a downfield threat, but I sure would like to see it. And if Bill's right about it, Jefferson even shoots higher up the board.
1: Van Jefferson, six targets last week. He caught three of them for 88 yards. That makes it six straight games where Van Jefferson has gotten at least four targets. Now, bear this in mind. Of those games, Deshaun Jackson, except for the last one, Deshaun Jackson was on the team. He is no longer with the Los Angeles Rams, which is going to free up a lot of stuff for Van Jefferson. And consider this. Jefferson got those six targets. Then he had to exit the game with uh, an ankle injury. He came back in, but when he was ready to come back in, the Rams were already up by 30. So there is no reason for him to come back into the game, too. So I think there's a lot to like about Jefferson. If you read between the stat lines here, and I know there's been a lot of people, and I'm looking at you, NFL Network, are saying to start Rashad Bateman this week. I am not on board with that. I think if it comes down to Bateman and Jefferson, you are playing Jefferson in your starting lineup. Final email, we go down to Texas, Farrell, to Alex and Amory, Texas. He writes, what's up, Farrell and Balky? I'm missing Hawkinson this week and only have Cole Komet and Jonu Smith to choose from oh. which tight end would you to start. So this is a tough, uh, tough call for me, obviously uh, when we look at these two players, neither one of them is a dominant, um, you know, target monger has a great matchup this week. You look at um, uh, Cole Komet on Monday night football against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's in uh, Western Pennsylvania for Komet. And then Jonu Smith also has to go on the road He stays on the East Coast. He goes on against uh, what I continue to say on this program, an underrated Carolina defense. He faces the Panthers this week. Farrell, I don't really like either one of these. I can be persuaded either way, but right now I'm leaning towards the talent. I'm leaning towards Komet. It seems like Hunter Henry has sort of taken over the lead tight end role uh, for the New England Patriots, uh, uh, supplanting Johnu Smith uh, as that lead tight end for the Patriots. Cole Komet still the lead in tight end for the Chicago Bears, so I think that's where I fall in on this. Neither one with a great matchup. Komet, to me, represents the higher upside option.
0: We must surrender all hope with these two choices. If you have a dollar left in FAB budget, sir, please go to free agency and bid on Brevin Jordan, put him on the field um, with the Houston Texans, and hope for a uh, continued success for the young tight end that should have been playing for the Texans all year long. But if you don't have a dollar left, what you're going to do is go do the same thing that the Patriots did, who spent all their dollars on these two tight ends. Now, we said on the show many, many times preseason, Bulky, that both tight ends would flourish in this offense. And I really don't know why they have it. Uh, John and Smith has had some really tough times. Uh, He started the first two games with getting targets. He had some real problems down um, in New Orleans, but I I think he found uh, an end zone the next week against Tampa. And then in the last couple games, it's been completely silent. And I suppose it's from the emergence of the play and the accuracy of young quarterback Jones to get the ball to the wide receivers. Wide receivers are playing in this offense uh, better than I thought they would. A lot of running backs carrying the ball, and the offense uh, has not gone on long sustained drives. You can begin to point to a lot of reasons. I suppose the biggest one is that Hunter Henry has been very successful in the red zone, which I thought Sanu would get some of that. But right now, um, uh, John Sanu, Johnu Smith, uh, right now, Johnu is not uh, featured as part of this pass-catching offense, which is hard to understand on a player that has so much investment in free agency for.
1: Farrell, I cannot thank you enough for that insight and for all the insight you've provided tonight. Um, Great stuff, not only from you, but from our guests tonight. Um, It was a tremendous episode. We have helped everybody, I think, um, to a great extent, get their lineups in order, get their second waiver wire in order. Uh, Billy Muzio on the RotoViz High Stakes Lowdown this week talks a little bit about that. Check that out, rotavizcom slash podcast. Um, He calls it free waiver. Make sure you're taking advantage of free waiver day, not only in the FFPC but in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship as well. Farrell, wish uh, nothing but the best for you in Week 9. Hopefully the ball bounces your way. We'll do it again next Friday, my friend. Enjoy uh, Week 9 in the NFL and your fantasy football teams, dude. Thank you both. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, you follow him on Twitter, at Jay uh, Jay Farrell Elliott. You follow the KFFSC on Twitter, at KFFSC. This completes tonight's broadcast of the high stakes fantasy football hour. I want to thank Bill Potter. I want to thank Farrell Elliott. I want to thank the FFPC, of course, our audio uh, engineer and my best friend, Bryce and our mutual friend and show producer, Rob, and uh, you to all the listeners out there that are either uh, listening to this live or downloading it and, um, and checking it out, streaming it later on in the week. Uh, Reminder, listen to the rotoviz bow down this week rotoviz.com/podcast with the fantasy data maven himself billy muzio crushing the ffpc high society as well as crushing the football guys players championship great podcast great conversation with him We'll be back next week, 10-9 Central, with sixth-place FFPC main event team owner, Praveer Srivasava will be on the show next week. Can't wait for that. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Your weekend officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Um, One of the things that I thought we did not touch on tonight, and it was by design, and I'll just make this real quick, the Aaron Rodgers vaccine thing. You know, we talked about Jordan Love. Uh, We didn't necessarily talk about Jones or Dylan as much as we probably should have or, um, you know, Alan Lazard or some of the other pass-catching options. Um, This is a fantasy football show. Uh, If you want to talk about Aaron Rodgers and, and what he did with the Packers and what he didn't do with the public or the media or however you feel about it. um, That there's a zillion other outlets for that. Um, We try to stick it, uh, stick to fantasy football in this program and, and that's where we'll leave it. So I apologize if you're looking for more of that analysis tonight, just not getting it on this show. So hopefully the ball bounces your way in week nine, everybody. Good luck in all your high stakes leagues. And we will be back next week to preview week 10 with Praveer Srivastava. Cannot wait for that. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your weekend.